check. Oh, yeah. It's hot. <laughs> it's such an honor to be a son in this house. And we feel blessed. We really do. We love you guys. This is our tribe. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I just want to be very intentional right now to kind of linger. Just kind of see where the Holy Ghost wants to go. I have a word that I know he wants me to give, but I just kind of want to see where, let's see what God does in this next couple of moments. So I just encourage you, go ahead and just stir up that, that gift that, was, that is within you. Just start praying in the Holy Ghost. Rembrota, seramande, kietro kota, samroteli, mandriande, kandrushi, andayanakashi. Surande Lebande, Flande, Sutan, Lukutashe, Sandele Land, Reteke, Katamashekea. We honor you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. You are the reason why we're here. You are the reason why we assemble. fix our attention on you, Jesus. You are first place. You are first place in this house. You are first place in my life. You are first place in this ministry, Jesus. We desire to behold the eyes that burn like fire. Shine your face on us, God. Oh, Kandreba, Sandrukun, Dandrabaye, Suraman, Dendrukun, Dashitan, Rotandelo, Sunde Manta, Ekandande. People have walked out of your life and you feel alone, but you're not alone. God is with you in the midst of trials. God is with you in the midst of chaos. God is with you and he's showering his goodness and his love over you as you fight the feelings of abandonment and shame. God says that he hasn't given you shame, but he has given you grace. He has given you mercy. He has given you the spirit of adoption. He has given you every good thing concerning his kingdom. Saramande, Retoranda, Ranki and Dande, Sorande, Teketreshe, Suramash, Kandretana, Sondareba. Father, I just release your healing right now in those wounds in the soul. Those wounds of abandonment, those wounds of loneliness, those wounds of depression. Those wounds that were caused by the lies of the enemy, God, I just release the healing power, the healing virtue of your truth. God, I reveal, reveal your light in that situation, God. God, I shine heaven's flashlight in the darkness that is in that person's life. And I say, let there be light. Let every stronghold, every lie be brought down by the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I surrender this moment to you right now. And I commit myself to only say what I hear you say.
only do what I see you do, Father. Have your way tonight. Holy Spirit, cause every spirit to come to attention. Remove every distraction right now in the name of Jesus. Remove the distraction of the mundane. Remove the distraction of carnal living. Remove the distractions even of the storm. And cause our spirits to stand at attention. To hear what you have to say, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, the fire of God is all over me. And it feels wonderful. Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is so wonderful. When men's hearts are failing them because of the fear of the things coming on the earth, there's going to be a bride in the earth that is standing in joy saying, Jesus is wonderful. Oh, he's given us his joy. He's given us his peace. We have the peace of the Father, for he is the Prince of Peace. Glory to your holy name, Jesus. And we'll be in Isaiah 43 if you want to make your way there. Isaiah 43. I'm going to be in verse 19. But I want to lay a little foundation before we dive in. And I really want you to listen with your spirit tonight. So turn your prophetic ears on. Because I really believe that God, God has a word for us of preparation for these next coming days. God is going to release a strength within you to be able to bear what we're about to be propelled through. God is going to keep us through this. Isaiah is the Old Testament book of trust. It's the trust in the Lord's promises, and it's, it's the trust in the Lord's presence. Isaiah is the Old Testament book of trust. There's a saying in this house. When you make a promise, you create hope. But when you keep a promise, you create trust. So when God makes a promise, he creates hope. But when he keeps a promise, he creates trust. And he's faithful. And he's trustworthy. And he's worthy of it all. And there's no darkness in him. He is not a man that he should lie or that he should repent. So if God spoke a promise to you in your individual life or by his word, he is able and always going to fulfill that promise. There is no lie in God. There is no deception in God. He is the standard of truth. He is the light. He is the way we must go. He is the one that we must follow. He is the good shepherd. And you can trust to follow him. I, Isaiah is one of my favorite Old Testament books. It's definitely like the top 66 of my favorite books of the Bible. Abba makes a promise in Isaiah 7:14 to Israel. He says that a virgin shall bear a son and conceive a son, right? And we shall call his name Emmanuel. He gave a promise of the Messiah, and Israel looked at it as the Jewish Messiah, which he truly and rightfully is. But it was a greater Greater prophecy of that. It, it was God with us that ultimately turned into God in us. Yeah. 
God with us ultimately turned into God in us. And God was making a promise to Isaiah in the midst of civil war, in the midst of a culture that was so gripped by darkness, in the midst of a culture that was so gripped by perversion, in a culture that was actually gripped by foreign invaders. God made a promise. And he fulfilled that promise in the birth of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 9, he also makes a promise. He says, for unto us a child is born, this same son, that is Emmanuel, is given. And all the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this God made a promise he made a promise that there would be one to sit on the throne of David for all generations he fulfilled that promise through the eternal son of God Jesus Christ he kept the promise which created trust and that time when he made this promise there was so much going on so much darkness I really want you to listen with your spiritual ears tonight because we can see a lot of parallels. God talks to me through parallels. God gives me pictures of Old Testament things and how we relate them today. You know, you can actually apply the Old Testament to your life today. I'm not talking about living life according to the law. We've been given grace. Thank God, right? Thank God. But there's pictures, there's parallels, there's foreshadows. There's things to come. And there's a lot of things about eschatology. Help me, Lord. How's eschatology that hasn't been fulfilled yet that's found in the Old Testament? The Old Testament is Jesus prophesied and Jesus revealed. During Isaiah's time as the prophet of Israel, he was the counselor of two kings. One king was King Ahaz which he was a wicked and foolish and a coward of a king. Ahaz did not trust in the Lord. Ahaz actually invited the Assyrian king, King Tiglath-Pileser, to police the region of Judah, which actually resulted in the northern kingdom being annexed. So during the revolt, during the civil war of Israel, the northern kingdom split from the kingdom of Judah. So we had a battle. We had a split of a holy nation because of the disobedience and the rebellion against a God-initiated covenant. In the midst of that, wicked kings would rise up, but wicked kings would also fall. God in his patience and his mercy would also raise up righteous kings that would, that would propel times of reformation, times of reform, for them to only die. The people forget about what God had done, and yet another wicked, wicked ruler would rise up, and they would fall and backslide right back in it. So when you read Isaiah, there's indictments of judgment. But right after there's an indictment of judgment, there's a great promise of mercy. There's a great promise of restoration. There's a great promise and a call back to the original design that God had originally created Israel to carry. And that was to be a light to the Gentiles, to be a light to the nations that surrounded them. You guys hear me? And then there was another king, King Hezekiah who did trust the Lord, who did trust the Lord for the salvation of Israel and the deliverance of Israel. And when the Assyrian king Sennacherib, man, them Jewish names are hard to say. I ain't gonna lie. 
When he tried to come against Jerusalem, he failed. Because Hezekiah put his faith and his trust in the Lord. And there was a great battle that was fought by the Lord. Thousands of the Assyrian army fell overnight. God wants to bring a restoration to America. God wants to bring a great deliverance to America. God wants to fulfill his promise to America. I believe with all my heart that America shall be a sheep nation in the last days. That we will not bow our knee to the spirit of Antichrist. I believe God is in the midst right now of fulfilling his promise to America. The covenant that our forefathers initiated with God. See, there was a difference between God's relationship with Israel and God's relationship with us. God's relationship with Israel, God initiated the covenant to Israel. The covenant with us is we initiated the covenant with God. But where you find common ground is both are in covenant. Both nations, God is the Lord. Both nations dedicated their nation to the Lord to be ruled by the Lord and his ways and his precepts and his commands and his ways, his justice and his mercy. And we see now in 2022 that God is in the midst. He is in the middle of reforming America. We are in a period of reformation as we speak right now. I know the carnal mind might look at the outside surroundings, and that might be hard for you to wrap your, wrap your head around. But God is actually restoring America back to what she was originally designed to do. And I believe with all my heart that one of those mantles is to be a friend to Israel in the last days. America is a godly nation. America is a Christian nation. And we will not let wicked leadership steal our inheritance. We will not let wicked leadership make demonic decrees from the heart of America saying that we are not a godly nation, that we are not a nation of freedom and liberation. We are a godly nation. We are a nation whose God is the Lord. And God needs his faithful ones to rise up and stand in their God-given authority. It's been said so many times in this house that God uses a man and God uses a woman. God uses his people to push his agenda through. God uses his people to show his power strong. God uses his people to show his faithfulness to a lost and falling world. Isaiah 43, you guys there? I think I'm going to take my time on this. You guys okay with that? So in the midst of civil war, in the midst of foreign invaders, in the midst of idolatry, in the midst of lewdness and perversion, in the midst of holotry against the commands of God, God makes this promise to Israel. And he says, behold, I will do a new thing. I'm going to work through this, but I want to pause. Behold, I do a new thing. That word behold, I will do, in the Hebrew word is, is also, which means to do or to make. 
Now, this word is found in the first two chapters of Genesis all the way through. And when you can find it is when God said. For example, in Genesis 1.27, when God said, let there be light. Or, no, let there be a firmament. Let the waters separate from the waters. And let there be firmament. It's followed by God made the firmament. In other words, God made the land. In other words, God separated the waters and land appeared. God spoke and then the manifestation of what God spoke appeared. So also is a manifestation of what God says. So what God says, God creates. What God says, God makes. What God says, he initiates. What God says is the truth. And what God says over America will not fail. What God says about his bride will not fail. What God says, he makes. God said, let us make man in our image. The Bible says that he took dust from the earth and made a male. And then he caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And he took a rib and made his wife. That's why I call my beautiful lady my rib. So when God speaks this promise in Isaiah, he's not just speaking idle words. He's not just saying, behold. He's not just saying, hey, behold, let me get your attention. I will do this. God's not speaking an idle word. God was speaking a promise. See, when God said, behold, to the prophet, I will do, the prophet knew the word of God. The prophet knew the words of Moses in Genesis. The prophet knew what all saw meant. The prophet knew that when God said, behold, I will do, God was speaking a creative word. God was speaking a creative word to his people. He was releasing creative power to bring the heart of a nation out of the bondage of darkness and into true true freedom and liberation. God has a love language of liberation, and it's found in what God says. Someone needs to hear that again. God has a love language of liberation, and it's found in what God says. What God says you can bank on, you can trust. God doesn't just speak to hear himself talk. God's very intentional with his words. So when God said, let us make man, guess what? It wasn't just an idea to Jesus. Hey, let's do this. What do you think? Let's have a meeting. God said, I've spoken. It's about to happen. So when God speaks a promise over a nation, even though a nation's people might falter in their decision, might backslide in their decision, I'm telling you, God will find a generation. God will find a people who is about his ways, who have bound their heart to his living word. And he will accomplish everything he has spoken over a nation. Man, I hope you're hearing me in the spirit. Because I'm telling you, the grace of God for the church in this last hour is to declare the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and the powers and the heavens. So I might not just be preaching to you. I might be preaching to every devil, every demon, saying, my God lives. I take preaching of the word very serious. I take my study time very serious to hear the Lord. Because God's very serious when he speaks. God has a love language of liberation. And that's why people traveled miles and miles to hear Jesus speak. Jesus is the express image of God. 
Jesus told Thomas, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus even told the religious of his day, he says, I've spoken only what I've heard the Father speak. We can find this in John chapter 12, verse 49. He says, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command. He gave me a command of what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Man, that just hit me. God is speaking life into America. You want a sign? Look at Roe versus Wade being overturned. Man, I thought there was going to be celebrations throughout the churches when that happened. And to my surprise, silence. But it's okay. Because we prayed it. We praised it. And there is a remnant in the earth who were shouting for joy that millions of babies will have a chance to live their God-given life. And I will forever remind the devil of what my God did when he saved all those innocent unborn children. I will spend the rest of my days, the last of my breath, telling the devil what my daddy did. My daddy, my daddy, that's right, my daddy, my Abba, my Jesus, conquered death, conquered sin, conquered the grave, and conquered the devil. He conquered murder. He flipped it. He overturned it. And he used people. Jesus says, I know his commands and their everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. That gives me a whole nother understanding of when Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6, verse 3 to the devil, when he said, men shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Don't forget where we started on Asha, that word, that creative power when God speaks. When God speaks, there's a manifestation of what he just spoke. I don't want you to lose that. Jesus did the same thing. Because what he heard his father speak, he spoke. Therefore, when he spoke, he was speaking on the authority of his father. By the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. He knew, he had faith. He knew when he spoke, that what he spoke must manifest. That's where the church has to get in these last days. And I'm not talking about a, a blabbing and grabbing type profession. I'm talking about a confession of the word of God with the faith of God bound inside a person's heart that he stands and he declares in the spirit, thus saith the Lord. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every mouth, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We see so many examples in the Gospels. I'm one of the ones I can't get out of the Gospels. I love the Gospels. I love them. I love seeing the works and acts of Jesus. And honestly, our life is just the extension of the Gospel. Our life is just the extension of the book of Acts. God still has a people in the earth that speak the word of God we got to expect when we speak the word of God that God's going to react and act on our behalf because of the glory of his son. Yes. Hmm. 
Jesus. I was in a prayer time with, my, with the Lord, and I shared this with Brian earlier, and I just feel compelled to say it. Now, I, I got to this place with the Lord where I was like, Lord, I want to see the immediately's. I want to see the immediately's. You know what I'm saying, the immediately's? When Jesus spoke, little girl, arise, and immediately she got up. Right? Immediately when, the, when he was walking through and people oppressing him, and that woman in her faith reached out and grabbed just the hem of his garment and power was released through him, and immediately that fountain of blood was dried up within her. I said, God, I, I want to see the immediately's. Why don't we see the immediately's? And he plainly, very plainly and gently said, Shane, stop being so small-minded. He says, I long to heal a nation. I love to heal people, but I long to heal a nation. And how I heal a nation is I heal people. That's deep, right? God longs not only to heal your individual soul, your individual body, but he wants to heal this nation. And for far too long, the bride of Christ have been stuck in this religious patty cake religion, stuck in four walls, not going out and preaching the gospel. We'd have been all about me, 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 and we've had great services. But God is saying, I need you to go out there. I need you to go occupy the mountains. I need you to go occupy the spheres of influence. I need my five-fold ministers to fulfill what they've been called to do, and that's to build a spiritual army. It's not about building a platform. It's not about me just being here to hear myself speak and for you to say amen. It's all about raising an army in these last days that Jesus can get the inheritance and the reward for his suffering. When he said, Father, give me the nations, and the Father said, Son, I will give you the nations. How do you suppose that's going to happen? It's when the people of God get a hold of the word of God. One of my favorite stories of healing in the Bible is when Jesus is on his way to heal this little girl. And this woman reaches out and grabs the hem of his garment and he's delayed. Can you imagine the father, the father of that little girl as Jesus stops? Like his little girl is at home dying. This woman that shouldn't even be in public, shouldn't even be in a crowd, reaches out and grabs the hem of the Messiah's garment, and he stops. He stops. He felt the virtue leave, without, leave out of him, and he stops. Can you imagine what must have been going on in that father's mind? And then as they're on their way back, as they're on their way back to the house, Servants come to him and say, don't worry about it. She's already passed. She's already dead. We read the scriptures and we know, we know the end result. We know what's going to happen because we see the conclusion before. We, imagine living in the moment of that. Imagine living in the moment for that resurrection to that little girl coming, but yet this person gets in the way. How many times have we been, God, we've declared this, and we're expecting it, and we're waiting it to happen, but it hasn't happened because then we start feeling like somebody got in the way, or maybe we got in the way. 
But I'm telling you, God is in the midst, and he's in the middle right now of reforming this nation. God is in the midst of reforming your life. God is in the midst right now of building a spiritual soldier out of you. He is in the midst of healing your mind from every demonic torture. He is in the midst of healing your body from every afflicting illness. God is in the middle of restoring his people back to their original design. The Bible says that the saints' inheritance is the glory of God. Chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, verse 37. After they told him that this little girl had passed and not to come, Jesus turned to the Father and said, Do not be afraid, only believe. That's in verse 36. Verse 37, he says, and he permitted no one to follow except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when, they came, when he came in, he said to them, why do you make this commotion and weep? This little child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. Then he took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha Kuma, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. Look what he said. He took her by the hand and he said, he spoke. What are we talking about? We're talking about the creative word of God. When God speaks, there's a manifestation of what God speaks. He took her by the hand and he said, Talitha Kumai, which is little girl, arise. And she got up. He spoke resurrection life. What did he tell the religious back in John 12? I only say what I hear my father say because what I know what my father says is everlasting life. Jesus spoke life. Jesus spoke life into something that was dead. Someone who was dead and she raised up. There are many right now saying the church is dead. But I'm telling you, Jesus is standing over her, taking her by the hand and saying to Letha Gumai, which is my bride, get up and walk. That's the Shane Tenney translation. But I think you get what I'm trying to say right now. Jesus is speaking over his bride. We see in Mark 7, such a beautiful testimony of a Gentile woman coming to him and saying, I, I, there's this little girl. My little girl has a demon. Would you come and heal her? She was a Gentile woman. And this is in John chapter 7, verse 24. It said, from there he arose to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house, and he wanted no one to know it. But he couldn't. He could not be hidden. Remember what I said. There was people that traveled miles to hear Jesus speak. She traveled to hear him speak. She was looking for him to speak the healing promise over his daughter or her daughter. She traveled. The Bible doesn't say how far she traveled, but she obviously wasn't from that part of town. Because she was... For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. 
The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs, the little dogs. Now imagine that. Jesus is calling you a little dog. But she didn't let offense deter her for what she came to the king for. I want you to catch that. She knew that the promises belonged to Israel. She knew Israel's destiny, her inheritance, as a light to the nations. She comes to the Messiah, where everybody heard about him. He's trying to travel where nobody can bother him, yet this woman finds him. And as she comes to him, she goes, will you cast the demon out of my daughter? And he says, woman, don't you know that the children's bread are not, children are supposed to be fed first, that children's bread is not not good to be given to the little dogs. She didn't let offense rise in her heart. And yet she answered this. Yes, Lord. There's the first, first foundation of the faith that she had. Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat, the children, eat from the children's crumbs. You'd be surprised just what the residue of the glory of God will do. Just the residue, just the, the weighty presence of God. Just the weighty presence, the holy presence of God. And I feel his power in this house. I feel the healing virtue of Jesus in this house right now. And I don't have to lay hands on you for you to get healed. You literally come into agreement with the word of the Lord that is being spoken in the spirit right now. And grab that by faith. You online, grab that by faith. Grab that by faith. Because our God is a healing God. And check this out. We always hear in church that... And when I say church, I'm saying the bride nationally, right? We got an understanding on that? Okay. And we always hear in the church that healing is children's bread, which it is. Without a doubt, this little girl was healed. But the story doesn't talk about a physical healing. The story talks about deliverance. This little girl had a demon. That'll mess your theology up. This little girl had a demon. And she had an affliction within her soul. And her mother's faith, her mother's faith, her mother's faith, her mother's prayer, her mother's persistence. That's a picture of an intercessor standing in the gap for somebody. Comes to the Lord. And the Lord says a word that majority of people would have rejected and left offended. But yet this woman stood steadfast in her faith and answered back, yeah. But even the little dogs eat the crumbs when the children drop them. And he said, for this saying, your daughter has been made well. Go your way. And it says that that very hour, the demon had gone out of her and her daughter was lying on the bed when she got home. That's in verse 50. That's in verse 30. I'm sorry. That very hour. The immediately. Church, I want to see the immediately. 
I want to see thee immediately so bad. I, I don't even want to be the one to lay hands on. I just want to see my brothers and sisters get totally set free. Honestly, that's my heart. I just want to see my brothers and sisters get so sauced in the Holy Ghost that tumors just fall off them. That cancer just disappears from them. That limbs just grow out. That they're just in their right mind. That they just stop living in sin. I mean, my God. We find another testimony of the scriptures in Mark 7. Verses 31 through, 37, 31 through 37, Jesus heals a deaf and mute man. Now, I want you to picture this happening in modern-day America out on the street. This is wild. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, because someone found him, I'm sure. He came through the midst of the region of Decapolis, of the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and one who had an impediment of, uh, excuse me, impediment of, in his speech, and they begged him, they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude, and he put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Talking about offending the carnal mind. Talking about offending, think about this. He pulled him aside and gave him a wet willy. <laughs> and then he spit on his fingers and touched his tongue. Think about this. Think about this. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm weird and I like weird stuff like that. I think that's awesome. God, God in the flesh wanted to offend the religious mind so he could set the captive truly free. I want you to notice something else within those two stories. He only let a few come up to the room with him with that little girl. And he took the other man out of the multitude of the others. Sometimes you just need to leave the atmosphere of unbelief. Come on. I'm not talking about you need to go seek out people that are going to pat you on your head and tell you how spiritual you are. But there are some people that have a great ministry of throwing a wet blanket on the fire of God. And I'm telling you, those people you need to run from. <laughs> he sticks his fingers in his ear and he spits on his fingers and touches his tongue. And then he looked up to heaven inside, Abathatha, which is be open. Abathatha, which means be open. He spoke the word. And the Bible says, immediately. Gosh, I love that word. Immediately, his ears were open, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. He spoke plainly. God, of, God offended the religious mind to get to the heart. God spoke the word. And he expected the manifestation, the creative power of that word to come to pass. God spoke and the muscles in that man's tongue was formed. And he could talk. God spoke and his eardrums just popped. And he could hear sound. God spoke and that man was healed. It's the miraculous character of God. It's the Father's heart to speak life. Why? Because his words are everlasting life. Let's go back to the front of the train. 
God said, and then it happened. God said, and then he made a way, right? God said, Jesus is the express image of God, right? So what the Father did, Jesus did. Jesus was the perfect example of God. God the Father. So when Jesus spoke, Jesus made. When Jesus spoke into that man's tongue, muscles were made. When Jesus spoke to that little girl's heart, it started pumping blood again. So when God says, behold, I will do, God is speaking and his creative power is already at work to accomplish what God's heart, his desire, and his dreams are for you and for this nation. Jesus loves to heal people, and he wants to heal America. That's his heart's desire. And that's why we're going to see some of the greatest miracles that we have ever seen. We are going to see the most radical miracles that we have ever seen, and we're even going to see religious people get mad about them. My heart, my heart, I want to see those who are mentally insane get totally delivered and set back in their right mind. So that they can live out their God-given destinies in their right mind. So they can be culture shifters and make change and influence the spirit that they have been called in for the kingdom of God. I want to see the mighty acts, the mighty acts that I read in the scriptures. Because Jesus said, not only will you do these things, but greater, that my Father may be glorified. That's got to be the intention in 2022, is that the Father can be glorified. Because what that does is that provokes the Father to step off his throne and act. It provokes the Father to begin to speak that creative miracle in your situation. It provokes the Father to remember those promises that he has made to you. Because the Father made those promises so he can create hope so you can hope in him. And then when the Father keeps his promises, what does that do? That then builds trust in him. God wants you to trust him. It's the creative word. It's the manifestation of when God says. When God says, God makes. The wonders of God. The wonders of God is when he speaks the word of God. I recount the wonders of God even in my own life. Even before I even got saved. I remember all the situations that me and my rebellion and my sin put myself in. I remember the wonders of God when my mother told me every time she had a contraction, my heart would stop. I remember the wonders of God when I was pushed into that picnic table and my whole throat was crushed. And they said they would, I would never talk. Boy, that was a lie. They said that I wouldn't breathe. Ain't that a lie? They said I would have a trach out of my throat for the rest of my life. And the devil is a liar. I want to tell you something. I remember the times, and I'm going to be raw. And it's okay, right? We can share our testimonies. 
I remember the time when I was so high on cocaine and I was sitting in my room with that gun in my lap fighting, fighting the temptation to blow my brains out. I remember the word of the Lord that gripped my heart and brought me out of death and straight into his life. You can't tell me that my God can't speak life into this country when this nation and the people of it are about to commit suicide. God is speaking life. Hallelujah! Oh, God is still speaking over this nation. The creative word of the Lord is in our midst, and it's time for the ecclesia to lay hold of it and take possession of it and go to war with it. It's time to go to war with the Word of God. The Word of God isn't just the, the fluff, the, the nice promises that give you the warm tickles in your heart. The Word of God is a double-edged sword that is able to cut between the flesh, the soul, the spirit, the bone, the marrow, you name it. It cuts, but as it goes through, it also heals. Because it's the Word of God. It's not the word of death. It's the word of life. His commands are everlasting life. His words are words of life. God wants to avert judgment and give America mercy. And I'm so persuaded of it. I have my mind made up that that is in the Father's heart to bless this nation. When the word gets in us, it begins to live out of us. And if you're struggling, that might be your secret answer right there. How much word do you really have in you? Are you tuning in more to the news and trying to hear what the current events, I mean, they're lying anyways. They're lying anyways. They do it for ratings. You really got to be careful. That's why I understand now when Jesus said in the last days, take heed on how you hear. Man, don't let these outside influences rob your faith. Don't let it rob your faith. Let me tell you something. What goes in here, it will put a dent in your faith if you let it sit down and seed inside your heart. You better take heed on how you hear in these last days. Because the Bible says that in the last days, that men's hearts will fail them for what they are seeing. Maybe even what they were hearing. Not adding to Scripture. But let's face it, what we see, we can hear, right? Maybe they're lies. Maybe they're lies to grip your heart with anxiety. Maybe there are lies to grip your heart with fear. That's why I stay in the Word of God. That's why I try to bring my focus into the Word of God. Because shame cannot live by bread alone. But it has to be from every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. My life and my lifeline has to be rooted in the Messiah. It has to be rooted in everything He says. It has to be rooted in His commands. 
Because his commands are everlasting life. I feel it. I feel it. Somebody's getting delivered. Somebody's being brought into a deeper revelation of who the Father is, that he's for you. He's not against you. Don't get me wrong. There's judgment happening in regional areas. I'm, I'm definitely not one of those guys that's saying that America's going to be some utopia, you know, some safe haven blessing. Don't get me wrong. We're going to be blessed. God's going to keep us. Remember, when darkness covered Egypt, there was a light in Goshen. There was a light in Goshen when God rained down the hail. It only landed on Egypt's livestock, not the Israelites. Matter of fact, the Israelites left more blessed than what they were when they were there. There's going to be great shaking in these last days. But those who know their God will do great exploits. Those who are anchored in the word of God and the word of truth will not be deceived by the spirit of this age. We have to root ourselves in what God says. Because what God says, God creates. What God says, God makes. So if God says revival, he's making revival. If God says awakening, he's making awakening. Many of the church are so offended about the awakening that's happening because the awakening is, is tied or has a name of MAGA on it. I want you to look past the MAGA. Everybody that's in the MAGA movement, obviously we know, are, is not serving the Lord, right? We know that. You'd have to be very naive if you, didn't believe, if you believe that everybody in MAGA served the Lord. But here's the truth about it. There is millions of people in this country that stand for godly principles. And the church is so offended because of a man named Donald Trump. When God is saying, look, I have raised up a man who has the fortitude, that has the guts, that has the boldness to provoke this demonic agenda to reveal who they really are. Who they really are. What they really stand for. God is raising up the standard of truth. Remember, he uses people. God revealed a word in 2019 to me that there would be a great separation. I never even thought of COVID. Never even thought about it. But man, what? look at what COVID, that vehicle of COVID. Look what that revealed. Look, what that, look where it started, where it revealed, where they follow the money now. My God. We are in a fight in this nation. We are in the fight against communism and Marxism. And I'm telling you, the mask of communism and Marxism is the spirit of Antichrist. God is preparing a people in these last days. He says, I am doing or I will do a new thing. That word new in the Hebrew, it means new. <laughs> Something that's never been done before. 
something that has never, something that has never been done before. Something that we have never seen with our eyes. God is speaking to his ecclesia in 2022 that I am about to come down and do something you have never seen. Oh, God is preparing a people to access a greater realm of his glory. And the only way to access this is through the doorway of intimacy. You're not going to be able to have your lamp burning off borrowed oil. Go get your own oil. Go get your own oil. And that comes by sitting at the feet of Jesus. Spending time with him in prayer. Listening to his word. Even letting Jesus speak hard things to you. You ever ask Jesus the real hard questions? I did. About two years ago, I asked him a really hard question. I know you guys are like, what's that? Between me and Papa. Just know I'm standing here right now. I asked him a really hard question. I allowed him to reveal real truth to me. That I wasn't listening to my own spirit being caught up in my own vain imagination. I really needed to hear the word of God. And God spoke it because he's faithful. And when God makes a promise, he's faithful to keep the promise. Because God doesn't just create hope so you can have hope deferred. God creates hope. That way when he performs it, you celebrate and you let the world know, my God is a promise keeper. Salvation is free, but access in his glory will cost you everything. And it's only for those who have paid the price of losing their lives to find Christ. You're not going to get it off your spouse's relationship, you're going to have to get it off your own relationship. You're not going to get it from your pastor's relationship with the Lord. You're not going to get it because your mother and father were prayer warriors. And in the house of God, every Wednesday and Sunday and Saturday, and they clean the... You're going to get it by sitting with the Lord yourself. God doesn't have grandchildren, right? And my old timers are like, yeah, amen. I haven't heard that one in a while. You have to access Jesus for yourself. Jesus longs, he longs to have affection from his bride. Jesus longs to hear his bride cry out for him. Jesus longs to hear his bride invite him into the realms of intimacy. Jesus wants to have intimacy with his bride. We are a spouse. You are not your own. You, are, you have been bought with a price. My friend, in the next days coming, year, whatever month, 
you're going to have to have your foundation really rooted and, and built into the Lord. I mean, really rooted and built into him. I mean, you're going to really have to know the shepherd's voice so you're not deceived. Jesus warned us in the last days there would be many voices. Some saying, go there. He said, don't follow them. You have to be rooted in the foundation of intimacy to know the Lord's voice. That's why people say, I don't got to go to church to be saved. That's true. But friend, I don't have to go home to be married. But what's going to happen if I stay away from the house? We need the deep places of intimacy with God in these coming days. We are going to need that creative word spoken in our spirits that it manifests into what God has made. In these last days, we're really going to have to hear from God. Remember, the awe word, when God said, God made, right? So when God spoke in your spirit, when he released that word in your spirit, God had already made a way for that word to come to pass or that word to manifest. God spoke into your spirit, and he has made a way. And in these coming days, we really need to hear the word of the Lord. Come into agreement with it. Make war with it. Make war with it in the spirit. Fight by faith. Come, agree, come into agreement with it. So that way, the word of the Lord can manifest. I don't want to be the seed that was scattered by the wayside. I don't want to be the seed that fell among stony ground. I don't want to be the seed that fell among thorns. I want to be the seed that fell among the good soil. And it shall spring forth. God says, I am doing a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. That word spring forth comes from a Hebrew word called sama. You can look it up, which means to grow. And then it gives picture of a tree yielding its fruit. God spoke, and then God made. And then he said, it shall spring forth. In other words, God planted a seed. Man, I hope you're hearing this. God planted a seed, and then he says, what he, he says, it shall spring forth. God spoke light. God spoke life into the seed, and now the seed is about to yield its fruit in the earth. Remember the wheat and the tares. Jesus gave us a picture of this. God has a seed still in the earth, which is his people. We have the seed of God within us. 1 John 3, 9 says we do not sin because the seed of God is in us. It's about to yield its fruit that is going to bring about the harvest of the nations. Maranatha. Maranatha. I live for this. I want to let you know I am so fully persuaded in God. I will. I say it and I also pray, God, don't let my words just be idle words. Let me really mean it. Let that seed of faith really come in alive in my heart to where I would even give my last breath for the sake of the gospel. I am fully persuaded in God. 
There's nowhere else I can go. I've heard the words of life. I have looked at the eyes that burn like fire, and I am persuaded. The word of God has taken seed in my heart, and now it shall spring forth. And that's where we got to get. We got to get there. Because God is going to use his ecclesia to bring a great harvest to him. Because God is going to use his bride to bring him his inheritance. God is going to use his bride to bring, his, bring him his inheritance. His inheritance is the nations. And this gospel shall go out throughout all the world. Then the end shall come. God uses a man and he uses a woman. And Jesus is using us to bring him his reward for his suffering. The latter part of verse 19 it says, I will even make a road in the wilderness. I mean, he made a road in the sea. He made a road in the sea. And they walked across it like it was dry. And he says, I make rivers in the desert. And the beasts of the field will honor me and the jackals and the ostriches. Because I give waters in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. What God is about to do in his people is even going to bring creation and the animal kingdom to bring God glory. I know some don't like animals, but God does. Look at Noah in the ark. He loved animals. He loves my dog, Copper, and I love him too. God is going to do something so profound that even the animal kingdom is going to pay homage to a holy God. Even the deserts are going to drink from the water of his spirit. God is going to do something so supernatural in the spirit that it affects the earth. Lord, I hope that I'm not being small-minded. The latter part for verse 20 and 21 is why he does it. Now, some will say this only applies to Israel. But I want to remind you of Romans 11, that we have been grafted into that olive tree. We are a people that he has formed for himself to declare his praise in the earth. That's what verse 21 says. This people I have formed for myself, that they shall declare my praise in the earth. That's why we're here. To glorify him. To make his name known. To watch his mighty acts. To participate in his mighty acts. To bring the nations to the feet of Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we have gathered so you can get strength to go back out into your sphere of influence and change it and bring the influence of the kingdom of God in it. Help me, Lord. We are entering in. We are entering into Rosh Hashanah. The Feast of Trumpets, the sounding of the shofar. And I had an encounter on September 10th at 4.18 in the morning. 
And I was awake. I've never had this happen, but I was awakened. And all I heard, I didn't hear it with my physical ear. I heard it with my spiritual one. But it was Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Over and over and over and over and over for a period of 10 minutes. I sit on my couch and I just get quiet before the Lord. I've never had anything. I've had dreams, prophetic dreams. I've never had this. And I was wide awake, very alert. I just sat on the couch. I started drinking water and I just said, Lord, I'm listening. And no word came. After going to bed and waking up throughout the day, it was like it was just kept being played on repeat. I didn't hear it like I heard it when I was awakened by it. But it was just like right there. I couldn't let it go. I'm not really familiar with the feast and what they mean and how to celebrate it. I'm a Gentile. I'm okay with that. But I do know this, that God does move in his calendar according to his feast. I do know that. That's, that's something that I'm thankful God has gotten me a point to because America has Americanized the gospel so much that we really have lost a lot of the word of the Lord because of the Americanization in our minds that we think everything in the Bible revolves around America, which it doesn't. Je Jesus was a Jewish king. I wish I was alive during World War II. I would have told Hitler that. I just kept hearing it over and over and over and over. So Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. Some say it's the anniversary of the creation of Adam and Eve. I don't know that to be so or not. But Rosh Hashanah is actually two days. And after Rosh Hashanah, we enter into a 10-day period called the 10 days of awe. The 10 days of awe leads us to the most holy Jewish day of the year, which is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. So what practicing Jewish people do is, after Rosh Hashanah, they go into a 10-day period of repentance. It's an intercession on the behalf of the nation. See, Rosh Hashanah isn't a call, the trumpet call, to the unrighteous to repent and intercede on the behalf of the nation. But Rosh Hashanah is a call to the righteous to pray and intercede and repent on the behalf of a nation. For that 10-minute period, and I believe, I believe that 10-minute period related to the 10 days of all. I believe 418 was significant. With some help, I asked some people how to or where to start. And God really gave me clarity. And I believe this is really the reason and how it all fell, how it all laid out where I was, where I was given the opportunity to share this word. 
I really believe this. 418 in the Greek comes, it's a Greek word called, I'm not going to be able to say it because I'll butcher it, but it means impossible or not supposable. And the only times it's used, it's in Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Then Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. I believe that these next 10 days after Rosh Hashanah is very vital for the church to really get on board. You should be praying and interceding on the behalf of your nation regardless of the festival, regardless of a set of days that you're so... You should be doing that every day if you love your nation and you love the people that is in this nation, right? But I really believe that God is calling the church... And I'm thankful that this church is a praying church. I'm so thankful that my tribe truly gets it. I'm so thankful that you can trust me on this too. I've really spent time in prayer, but I'm telling you, in these next coming days, even maybe before the end of the year, we are really going to have to know our God. I'm glad that you got encouraged, you got to shout about the healing of the Lord. But in reality, if you look at the landscape prophetically of what's really going on and the war that's really being fought, right now is the time to be very sober and vigilant in the Lord. To be very intentional with the decrees and the prayers over this nation. I truly believe God revealed to me that there is going to be a great offense that is going to take place because of this passage, because of this word. That's what I believe. I don't have anything else. I'm not going to add to it. I'm not going to stretch it. I'm just going to tell you simply where I'm at. Could there be more? Sure. We'll leave it at that. But also, 418 in the Hebrew It's a word used for the algum tree, which is a fine wood from India that was transported and used with the combination of gold and precious stones to build the pillars of the temple and the king's house and the instruments for worship. Can I take a little time on this? While there is a great offense that is going to take place, I also believe that God is building in his pride the fortitude, the strength to be able to stand and bear the weight of what is coming. I believe the church is going to rise out of the ashes and be a light in the times of darkness and going to reveal the loving kindness of our Father. Pillar's main function is a solid foundation with a prominent support for a much larger structure to ensure its stability. Notice the the instruments of worship. Because I believe there's going to be a sound from the strength and the stability of the bride of Christ 
in the midst of yet another shaking of the nation that is going to cause people to come to the light of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's doing a new thing. And there's going to be a sound that comes out of heaven that is going to arouse God and to provoke him to come off of his throne, rend the heavens, and come down and show off in the earth. You can take that, and you can do what you want with it. Father, I thank you for the word, the word of the Lord. God, I thank you that your miracle-working power is present here. God, you heal a nation by healing the people of that nation. God, it is your desire to heal, to heal in the mind and to heal in the body. God, I ask that you would uncap the healing virtues of the Lord in this house right now. God, I pray that you would release the gifts of deliverance of the strongholds of the mind and the torment of the spirits and heal the bodies, God, and supercharge your saints to fight the good fight of faith, Lord, to wage the good warfare. And God, I just release the Father's touch right now. And I come against that spirit of orphan in the name of Jesus. I command it to leave right now and let identity be revealed to your mind. Let the hope of the gospel grip your heart and let the Father's tenderest mercies be released into your life. Father, have your way with us, with me, and with this house in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God praise for this word tonight. Come on, let's praise him for it.